0: Joe cut that out. <laughs> don't don't put that in Joe. You're not gonna put it in, but just don't put it in.
1: <laughs> ah. Oh, I hope she does. Do it.
0: Listeners, welcome to What the Hell is a Pastor? This is Ian. I'm here with Angie, who is the spouse of Pastor Nick, friend of the pod. And we are doing a takeover of What the Hell is a Pastor? This is something that all the hip, cool podcasts do. And uh, we are happy to join those ranks. So uh, Angie and I both, uh, the thing we have in common is that We are both madly, deeply in love with uh, these people who we call professional Christians, pastor types, uh, whatever, uh, whatever the hell it is that pastors do. And uh, so we thought we would spend a little bit of time today talking about uh, sharing that experience. Uh, uh, What the hell is a pastor's partner, if you will. Um, But I'm gonna let Angie introduce herself. Angie, how
1: are you doing? Well, I'm all right. Uh, my name is Angie, as Ian had so eloquently put. I am married to <laughs> Pastor Nick, longtime friend of the pod. Um, I, uh, yeah, we've been married for four and a half years, and we've been together for 14 and a half. So, muzzle tough long time. Um, I was with him from him, not believing in Christianity to believing in Christianity, to feeling a call to ministry, to being in seminary, to being in ministry and shortly leaving ministry. So
0: I've been there the whole time. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. And just, uh, I've, I've been, uh, in a relationship with, uh, pastor Joe, uh, for, uh, Little over two years now, um, and we, we we met in seminary, uh, and we started a uh, relationship at that point. And I uh, we've been we've been mostly long distance uh, throughout our relationship. The past year and a half, we've been long distance, um, but there was a period of time uh, during the early stages of the the pandemic when uh, uh, since we 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 didn't want to be quarantining being in isolation alone uh so we i I moved down for uh a couple months at the beginning when my work was uh the university was closed uh the campus was closed uh, and we were all working remotely and i decided to uh work from uh from joe's house and so that is my uh the experience with her. Uh, and so I got to see her, uh, in, uh, I got to be in relationship with her and, uh, be together with her as she is in this, uh, this is her first appointment and, uh, yeah.
1: So, um, You said that you were there for about two months and you were able to be in like relationship and, you know, as many pastors, partners that especially live with them, understand that once you live in the house, you also then are in relationship with the church. So like, what has, what was your experience in those two months that you lived with her in addition to like outside of that as well, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I want to, I want to preface by, by saying it's, um, Pandemic times made it very, very weird and very unlike the, the very unlike <laughs> the norm, like uh, very abnormal, very ab yeah. So during the uh, the first couple of weeks, um, we were you know we were kind of right in the heart of Lent, making our way to Easter. Um, her church was doing live uh, broadcasts from her sanctuary where the, the only people in the room were herself, the accompanist, the, the chair of the SPRC committee, uh, and I was tagging along to also provide some tech support. Um, and so for those first few weeks, like that was my interaction with the church mostly, um, but then after, during the, the Eastertide season, um, her church wanted to do, um, rather than full blown live broadcast services, they uh, wanted her to just read a Bible verse and give a a message. And so I was, uh, we were help. I was, we were, I was watching her do a lot of that stuff. Um, Her church members know me, they know uh, I exist. Um, um, They they know who I am. Uh, When she started, uh, in ministry there. I, uh, I, I had been to her church a couple of times. Like I would go down for the weekend to visit her for a long weekend, um, do some, like they they had community dinners. I think uh, there was a community dinner that was like the first time I really got to, to meet the congregation. Um, and the, the, the story that stuck out to me was that, uh, I was there and like, I was in line to get, Food, uh, and uh, someone uh, came up to me, and we were talking in line, and uh, she, uh, the the person was like, "So is your wife the 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 like the, the lead pastor here at, at this church?" Um, which um, I think is a, a great first misconception to to bust is that uh, pastors aren't born married they don't always they don't they don't they don't always come to your church sometimes the single unmarried pastors exist pastors date and uh i am not i am not married to joe uh i am not her spouse um and uh so that was a fun like in the moment like correcting this uh random parishioner being like uh well you know joe is actually my partner we're we're not married we're uh, we're in a relationship, uh, but but she is like she, uh, she's the only pastor here. <laughs> uh, was like the answer to the question this parishioner wanted, um, but I think that has been um, uh, interesting as well to like to note. It's it's one of the challenges I think that a lot of uh, especially young clergy women face, uh, young unmarried clergy women face um and i know that my experience as um uh, a male as a male presenting person is uh, uh very different from from that of like the typical pastor's wife role right uh, or image um and i know that when i was uh, in uh, when I was pursuing ministry and like going through seminary and thinking about dating during that time like I, I knew that I didn't want a partner uh, who was going to be that pastor's wife I didn't want, right. I didn't want someone that was uh, their identity was going to be defined by by me um, which which made dating <laughs> challenging um, right. But it's worked out, it's worked out. And Joe and I are, are together and we're happy and everything is, uh, everything is great. Um, but uh, that's kind of like my, my first initial thoughts. But Angie, um, you've been in the game far longer than I have. Uh, yeah. you're, you're, you've been married to Nick for, for four years. You've been with him for 14 years. Um, you, uh, what, what do you have to say about all of this?
1: Um, I will say I do like that you brought up the identity of a pastor's wife um, because that was something that I was terrified of, frankly. Um, I was not overly fond of being like the doting homemaker wife that only mm. was served by serving my husband and my children that I will never have. Um, I don't intend to have children, which as a wife and a woman in general, it's just a stigma that I have to get over. but yeah, that was something that I was really nervous about coming in, and since uh, you know I was with Nick when he got his calling, uh, we were able to like unpack some of that stuff going into it, and he was really supportive of me not wanting or needing to fill that role. Um, so I just was kind of like, okay, well then I'm just gonna do me, which is frankly what I always do anyway, um, and it's it's been fine only because I I see myself as his partner in ministry. I don't necessarily see myself as like the pastor's spouse. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the pastor's partner which I think is I don't know I think it's a less constraining term to think of yourself as a partner versus a spouse which is kind of why I like that we're calling it pastor's spouse or pastor's partners um but yeah I had to um I had to try to get myself out of the mindset that that was going to be the preconceived notion and not to be angry with it uh which I don't think I have been. Um, and when we were first introduced to the church that we are currently serving, um, he had a female DS. And the meeting that we were at together uh, when they introduced us to the SPRC, uh, she introduced Nick and then she introduced me and she said, and I'll never forget this because it was one of my favorite moments of all time. She said, this is Nick. He'll be your pastor. This is Nick's wife, Angie. Do not have any expectations from her and you should be honored if he even attends your church services.
0: That is, you know, that, that's that's everything you want from a DS right there.
1: Right. And I was like, hey, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you should be honored that I even attend your church services. Like, yeah, that, yeah. You should expect nothing from me because you're not employing me.
0: Right. Yeah. That is, um, yeah. Um, in, uh you have had, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been at one appointment during yes. your, during your... Uh, time post-seminary. Um, uh, how has your relationship with Nick's churches uh, evolved over those, uh, over that period of time? You've been, you, remind, you. how long have, how long has Nick been serving uh, his two churches?
1: Um, so we're on year four, so we've year served four. Okay. four years, and we're halfway through our third, or our fourth, rather, um, it was, it was interesting. I was really uh, slow to kind of do anything at that, at the churches. Like I was just, I, I wanted to get a feel for what kind of people they were and, and what uh, kind of things they were into before mm-hmm. I really like dove into like sure. in ministry with them. So I started off really only going to like church services and occasionally I, you know, I tried going to a Bible study that wasn't like Nick's Bible study. And, you know, I kind of tried to do a couple things, but I was afraid that if I started volunteering too early for things, then they would expect me to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started out really slow. Um, and then slowly uh, they realized that I wasn't going to fit into this cookie cutter, like, wife mold that they were expecting. Um, I'm not an overly warm person. <laughs> um I, I don't have a very welcoming facade. And and frankly, it, it's an intentional facade. I don't necessarily like, you know, hugging or, you know, people. So, you know, I, I put on this, like, please don't bother me unless I bother you <laughs> situation. And, and that worked. And, and eventually I, you know, started volunteering for things. We did youth group together. Um, and, and, you know, they know that me telling them that I don't want to do something doesn't mean that I don't like them it's just not something that I want to do
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so you know they don't ask me to cook in the kitchen because I don't really like cooking in the kitchen um they ask me to do mission stuff because I really like doing mission stuff um so it evolved from there um I mean the last year has been a little tough because the you know pandemic frankly has really taken a toll on the relationship that we've had with the church specific um just because you know politics unfortunately um is becoming a prominent wedge between people um and it's really bringing out the worst in humanity uh and and especially in among christians uh and so you know the last nine months to a year um has been more strenuous specifically on the smaller church my husband has two charges um And so, you know, events happened uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic when people were protesting wearing masks and stuff. Um, He had made a Facebook post about it uh, about how they were, essentially, was calling them idiots.
0: As I as I if I recall correctly, he was calling them spawn of Satan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was something ridiculous. Uh, But uh, that really pissed off a lot of the smaller church creation because it's essentially just like one big family. Sure. Um, and they didn't like it, and someone had the audacity to uh, screenshot his Facebook post and then email it to literally everyone in the small church because maybe like six of them actually were on Facebook. Um, and so they all found it very quickly and mm-hmm. all very mad at him. Um, and they called an SPRC meeting and essentially, um, you know, very ungraciously and very passive aggressively called him an immature child. Mm. Um, and so that's when I, uh, essentially told them to fuck off and I no longer went to that church, uh, once it reopened, because obviously, you know, at that point we weren't doing in-person church. That was when the church was kind of shut down and we were just doing videos. Um, and so then when that church reopened, because there's only like 20 people that actually go to that church anyway, um, they reopened pretty quickly and I no longer go to that church. I no longer attend it. I no longer volunteer to do anything with it. And I don't really want anything to do with it anymore. Uh, Just because of the, it's, (laughs) they spoke to him and I wasn't there for the meeting, but I, they just, the the way that he felt coming out of that meeting and the things that he told me that they said were just so condescending and just so fucking rude. Like, Mm -hmm. like he was, he was sitting in the meeting and they were talking about him like an immature child. To other people and pretending that he wasn't in the room with them. And it was just so disrespectful. And I just don't, I have a hard time respecting people that speak to other people that way. And so I'm, I, I was over that and it's really just gone downhill from there. Uh-huh. but the bigger church, I like, I love dearly. They're very supportive. They're very great with me. They're, they understand, you know, Everything that Nick and I do, um, they're very supportive, and so it's 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 weird. You get a little whiplash when you're here because it's like, on one hand, I love our charge. On the other hand, I'm uncomfortable.
0: Right, and I mean that's uh, the even just the reality of multi-point charges in general is that. Oh yeah. One one can be great and fantastic and doing all the right things, and then. The other one can just suck your soul.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what's happening. I think the one thing, I don't know if you, I I imagine that you experience this, uh, similarly to the way that I do, but, um, there's, there's only so much like as a pastor that you can really do when that stuff is happening. It's like, it's not like he can like call them out or like really do anything aside from say, I'm sorry. And, and let's move on. Um, but like the emotional toll that it takes on him is actually what makes me the most angry because yeah. they put him in a position in which he can't defend himself really. Like there's really nothing that he can do or say that's going to blow it over. Cause he still has to be a pastor and they're still his employers. So that is what really like gets me like really upset, like as a spouse, like watching, cause it's, it's an, it's, I don't like throwing abuse about like willy-nilly but it's it's a little abusive the the relationship that pastors have with their churches and just have to sit there and watch my husband be abused is like the most like I get irrationally angry like I get sick to my stomach I get like like hot like I like physically and I like I like I like I freak out and I can't it's it's unnerving because all that I can do is sit there and watch and frankly that's all he can do
0: I yeah it's uh Listeners of the pod uh, are are very familiar at this point with the uh, joys that that Joe has at her right. uh, her churches, um, and joy is probably not the word to use for that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I I that's for me has been um, uh, all of that has happened since I've moved back to Virginia. Um, and the what's been a challenge for me is like seeing that happen from afar seeing Mm -hmm. seeing um members abuse Mm -hmm. her verbally um with no one standing up for her for again saying uh preaching such radical things like maybe we should treat black people nicely. Maybe we should treat black people like they're human beings. Um,
1: Right. I've listened to some of her servants and they're not that crazy. Right.
0: It's not like she's out there being like all cops are bastards, abolish ICE, defund the police. No, she's, she's just saying, you know, racism is real and it's something, it's it's something we do have to deal with. (laughs) Um, But we can deal with it together. Um, Which, uh, one of the, the challenges that I've had, um, uh, is as a not white person where it's a, it's a interracial relationship Mm. has been to like, uh, walk the line of like, um, hearing and honoring her frustrations, um, without like, internalizing them myself or trying to put myself in her shoes or whatever Mm -hmm. um thinking about like joe is an equipped pastor uh and is great at what she does um she doesn't need like me telling her what to do um and uh the the that has that's been a challenge has been the the is, is dealing with uh, the, that conflict um, in general um, has, has been rough. <laughs> um, because I know exactly what I would do and I would be like, sit the fuck down. Right. No, I'm not gonna drop on this podcast. You're out of your element right now. Um, and I know that I can do that because I am a man. And I know that that situation wouldn't happen to me because I am a man and she is a she is a woman, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but like, um, how like, what has your like? So you talked about like feeling angry on on like for for Nick's on Nick's behalf and seeing mm-hmm. all of that happening. Um, but like that that puts a strain on the relationship, right?
1: Yeah, because then he doesn't want to tell me certain things. So like, <laughs> sure. The reason that I wanted to do this now, so um, on Thanksgiving uh, or around Thanksgiving, uh, Nick uh, thinks he was in contact with someone or knows that he was in contact with someone that later tested positive for COVID.
0: Right.
1: So so we uh, immediately were like, okay, well now we need to quarantine because you know it's it, it's possible that he wasn't you know, exposed to COVID, but it's also possible that he was. And so we don't want to take any chances. So we kind of quarantine, like he now sleeps in a separate bedroom, which is devastating. And he hasn't been out of the house. Like he doesn't leave. Um, I, you know, go pick groceries up, you know, drive through pickup and, and all that crap. And it, it sucks. Um, and so because of that, he wasn't at worship on Sunday because he was trying to be responsible And he thinks he may have been in contact. And so he doesn't want to risk anyone's life. Uh, So he stayed home. He set everything up. He, you know, he did the bulletin. He did all of it. And he got a lay speaker to come in and do all that stuff. And so we kind of were just, you know, hanging out at, you know, our house on Sunday. And Sunday was also the feast of St. Nicholas. And so, you know, my husband has anxiety and didn't like the fact that we were literally sitting here you know, from our backyard, you can see the church parking lot where church service is happening and we're like watching it happen. We can't do anything about it. And so he's posting on Facebook about St. Nicholas because, you know, what else is he going to do to abate his anxiety? And he posted something about like, you know, some of the stories about St. Nicholas are made up. And one of them is about like him, like finding out someone was murdering children and selling them at a butcher or something. And he resurrected them. I don't know. It was some ridiculous story. And he posted it on Facebook thinking that it was funny.
0: I remember seeing the story, yeah. Oh.
1: Right. <clears throat> and, uh, and you know, he was just trying to get through the morning until our charge conference later that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his DS, who he'd been kind of keeping in contact with uh, because the charge conference is coming up, sent him an email from one of the people from the small churches saying how utterly disrespectful and inappropriate it was for his pastor to be sitting at home on his fifth Sunday of the year, not being in church. And he's only allotted four. So on his fifth oh. day of the year, being off of church, putting disrespectful posts on Facebook, if it was his opinion, he would be gone tomorrow.
0: Oh, well, I mean, it's good to know that that's a, that's a good opinion to have. You have no power right. to do that friend.
1: <laughs> and so, and so his DS sent him this email saying, since he's not, you know, bold enough to say this to you, This is what I just got. If they try to bring it up at the charge conference, I will shut it down because this is not what we're here to do. We're doing charge conference. Um, And so, you know, I'm kind of like sitting at the table doing a puzzle and he's sitting where I'm sitting at his computer doing stuff. And like, he gets really quiet and he just constantly is like on his phone texting. And I'm like, what are you doing, hon? And he's like, nothing, don't worry about it. And I'm like, okay, that's not good. I'm
0: kind of worried about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. That makes me worry about it. And so I'm just kind of like trying to be patient, like putting my puzzle together, wondering when he's going to tell me. And I was like, what's, what's going on? He's like, I'll tell you in a minute. And I'm like, okay. So I waited. And finally he was like, uh, someone complained to the DS about it and it's fine. And I'm like, well, what, did they, what, what did they say? And he's like, well, I didn't really want to tell you, but, and then he told me the whole thing. And I like, <laughs> I got so angry, like so so I'm so angry. It is his fifth Sunday off. It's not like we're on fucking vacation. We're not flying to the fucking Bahamas. Right. And we haven't even gone on vacation in like three years. We've gone on one vacation since we've been here. And it was for our anniversary. We went on a cruise because we didn't have a honeymoon. The other times that he was off for Sunday were because we were seeing his family where there was a wedding that was out of the that was out of the area. Right. Those are the reasons that we weren't there on Sunday. It's not like we're going gallivanting along, just wasting our time doing fun crap. Like, we're like, he's working. Like, he's getting paid to do weddings. That's part of his job. We're doing weddings. We're doing other things. Or like, we have to go see his family. And then this happens, and we're not happy about it. Like, he has to. Like, he's taking the ethical responsibility and saying, I'm not going to potentially expose my, you know, tech team and my lay leadership to being around me when I may have COVID and he's playing it off in a fucking email like we're on fucking vacation and we didn't want to show up on our Sunday. Like what What the fuck? And also it, it was a stupid Facebook post. Like how is it disrespectful to him to say, hey, this is a historical story about St. Nicholas that people keep telling even though it's probably not true. Ha ha ha, happy St. Nicholas feast. Like what?
0: I, I yeah, <laughs> I saw that story going uh, so many different ways. I like I, I you telling that story I was expecting one of Nick's prisoners to be like a QAnon supporter being like this is an obnoxious disrespectful subtweet about the the dangerous pedo democrats
1: I mean they might be I don't know, I don't know.
0: <laughs> but like but
1: it's I just think- they're just petty it's just just petty bullshit like if it were my opinion he'd be gone tomorrow and i'm like laughing i'm like we would love to be gone tomorrow fire us let us go do our own thing like like what are you talking about we are trying to be respectful and filling out the rest of the year until our ds can fill it like you're supposed to like what are you talking about and it goes down to them just being angry with him because i don't know my dog only likes squeaky toys when we're trying to video chat.
0: Because dogs know.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. It was just, it was just irritating. Like why like why? Why did you need to waste the time to email his DS about your upsetness about this stupid Facebook post? It just it didn't make any sense. Like why, why are you putting us through like this hassle? Because you know, he has anxiety and he doesn't want to get emails about how much people hate him no one wants to get the emails no, no. I mean I should be grateful because you know not that we're comparing stories but like we haven't been verbally assaulted so that's something that I can be grateful for but it's just this passive-aggressive like toxic environment that we can't do anything about
0: no yeah it's and that's that's so not fair um missing a sunday like if he was like that's not that's first of all like it's i can think of so many ways why that is uh just wrong from a policy standpoint um (laughs) namely like your four sundays off that you get a year are like not sickness related yeah well i am i am sorry that you are dealing with that and uh grateful that that hasn't happened joe uh joe had a similar covid uh exposure scare she didn't um uh she didn't have covid uh thankfully um but a similar like she she stayed home uh rather than doing I think they were still doing like modified in-person worship at that point yeah. I can't, I'm not I'm not entirely straight on, on what all is happening at what church um but she was like look I'm I'm showing all these symptoms. I don't know if I was exposed. Maybe I was exposed, but just until I can get test results back, it's, right. I'm not, I, it's not. It's not responsible. And I think that's like that's being a good pastor. What Nick did was being a good pastor. We are uh, like your pastors are supposed to model like right. that kind of living and what it means to like be a good Christian. And being a good Christian is first do no harm Right. Um, yeah yeah that's which
1: you know modeling like the the whole modeling behavior like that in and of itself is like that takes i don't know if that takes a toll on joe that you notice, but like Mm -hmm. i think it takes a toll on nick a lot like why struggle making decisions because you know he has to he has to it's like performative you know like being pastoral has this level of performativeness to it that, you know, my husband uh, both like understands and finds repugnant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, you know, that I think takes a huge toll on like decision-making, like on one hand, he's not symptomatic. Like we really don't, like I'm not overly concerned that we actually have it, but there was a chance. And so we don't want to risk it. And so it's because, you know, on one hand, yeah. Yeah. You wanna be in church, you wanna, you know, be able to to preach the gospel to to your parishioners. But on the other hand, like if you get one person sick because of it, was well, it worth it?
0: Right. Or like even uh, yeah, one person sick, one person sick and die, like yep. just, just so that Chad can sit in his pew and have an in person worship service? Come on.
1: I know. It's so stupid.
0: Um, yeah I see that I, I do see that take a toll on Joe and that's that's also all wrapped up with um, her, her background in, in purity culture and quasi evangelicalism um, but like there is a like yeah the I, I want to like amend my statement like pastors are supposed to model what it is to be a Christian but there's a difference between what it means to be a Christian and like what especially these small churches family chapel kind of churches uh expect a christian to look like uh there's a yeah. there's a difference between the two um and i know the uh, Ethan and joe in the podcast have talked a lot about like yeah you, you come out of seminary like on fire guns a-blazing to To be like the the real Christian that that Jesus is calling you to be, and you get put in a church that is just spiritually dead, that Mm -hmm. doesn't that isn't ready, that doesn't that doesn't want to doesn't want to do that. That wants to have its building where uh, you know Grandpa set it up and built it, and (laughs) that stands. Yeah,
1: my grandfather went to kindergarten in this church. Great. It's okay, and I'm like,
0: okay, whatever. Fantastic. There aren't any kids anymore in the town, but whatever. Right. Um yeah, yeah, it's uh uh we're not the you're not prepared to for that. Um and and you're you're coming at this from a, also like the different perspective. You're um I'm uh you 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 identify as Christian, right? for the most part yeah for the most part yeah but you're you're like you never you you didn't go to seminary you didn't no I did not you 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 do not have this funny fake degree that we call the masters of divinity
1: right um, I mean I feel like I have one by like like I, mostly, like I have a I have a contact degree because literally all of my friends <laughs> and my <family>. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> You let, yeah, like, as well. like like when you're uh when you're uh, some states let you read the bar exam, like to be a lawyer, right. you can if you if you do enough like apprentice work, you can go take the bar without going to law school and pass the bar and become a lawyer, which. Right.
1: Uh, yes, yes,
0: I think I I I would say that you have an honorary <laughs> <laughs> probably
1: Probably, probably. Um,
0: just from all the shit you've had to put up with for the last <laughs> four years. Yeah.
1: It's it's just frustrating. Cause it's they're right though. Like watching the so I don't want to be too cliched, but like watching the spark slowly be suffocated. So like that's one thing um, that, you know, Nick and I've talked about a lot is people are asking him if he's burnt out. You know, you know, burnout is blah blah blah. You know, they always talk about pastor burnout, but like he doesn't, he doesn't feel burnt out. And, and we had this conversation, and I'm like, if we're going to go with, like, the flame, the sparks, like, analogy, like, he feels like he's being suffocated. Like, he feels like the oxygen is being pulled out from the flame, and it's just, it's yeah. not out as in his candle is now burnt to a stub. It's the oxygen has been forcefully removed from him. Yeah. And can't burn anymore. Like, there's still plenty of wick left. It's just, there's no, there's nothing feeding it. Right. And it's because he came out of seminary really excited and like, like they all do, you know? And and it's just the, 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 the struggle that they have that I, that I watch every Thursday when he's like planning his sermons about what he should preach from the, the scripture versus what he does preach from the scripture, because he knows that he doesn't want to one, he doesn't want any angry emails. Like that's not something that he wants. Um, and two, he doesn't like, there's a level to which you preach so far away from where people want you to preach that they just ignore everything that you say.
0: Right. You missed the message.
1: Yeah. And so just like watching him have to like water down his sermons and, and preach about things that like are things that we don't, we don't really even relate to anymore because they're like so like basic you know and it's it's just really frustrating to watch someone that was like that that currently I mean he is like he is on fire for God if I can use that cliche
0: yeah
1: feel like there's nothing he can do about it it's just I I don't even know how to describe it it's it's just watching like I don't know it's it's just frustrating
0: right and it takes a toll on you because it's you don't like to see the people we don't no one likes to see the people they love like
1: no and frankly i don't i i honestly i'm i'm curious i i don't know as many you know partners as i i mean i do but i don't know as many like uh partners that have been in it for a while but i'm curious to see how many uh partners of pastors that have been with them for long like very long periods of time grow to resent the church Mm -hmm. because like I'm starting to a little bit
0: yeah I I think I think it depends on uh how well the the church has treated their spouse because I certainly know of like there are you see it trotted out like with um with bishops quite a lot. Uh but even even pastors of churches of like who are successful pastors like talk about like their 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 spouse talks about how they're a partner in this person's ministry. Uh Right. Uh not just not like not that I am this pastor's partner but like I am a partner in this ministry and that's where mm-hmm. you get that's where you get the like oh yeah yeah the the pastor's wife can can run the the circle seven the umw circle seven or oh i'm not even
1: a part of umw that mm -mm.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah. uh it's like
1: she can play the organ or she can do the knitting group or you know she can lead the women's bible study or like all this other crap and i'm like yes i am a partner in my in my spouse's ministry in that i am his partner like i am supporting him I am helping him make decisions that maybe he can't make on his own or you know that is you know we have a similar vision of what we want to do in ministry and so yes I am his partner in that way I'm not going to help him run the church that's not my job
0: right right your job is to you know love and to hold and to cherish and all of that whatever those vows are
1: (laughs) right or you know whatever you get paid to do (laughs) oh yeah yeah
0: there's there's that other job.
1: job like you have you can have a job
0: right yeah um earlier you mentioned about uh your family situation uh or the the specifically children um right and how uh the, the word you use the, the language you uses you're not going to have kids i i am sure that like the uh, the churches saw that they were getting Nick, right? And Nick mm. Nick is a, a young guy with a, with a young wife and kids are coming sometime soon and oh, this church is just gonna be so vibrant now. Um,
1: Which doesn't, like, let me unpack that on multiple levels. Sure, unpack, yeah, unpack all that. The first level is me bringing any children <laughs> into this world does not make your church more vibrant. Like on what level does that make sense? My kids will eventually be leaving if I had them. So like, I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me unless like, you know, people have like heat seeking noses where they can smell like other people's children. And they're like, oh, we need to put my kids where those kids are. Like, that's not how it works. Right. Like me having kids isn't going to make the church more vibrant. So that in and of itself is erroneous. And then just the expectation that I'm going to, uh, is just ridiculous. Like they don't like. I don't know. I have just, like, as a woman, I have a huge problem with people asking when uh, yeah. another is having children, um, as if that's just the assumption that that's all we, you know, want in life is to give birth to children, um, which, and I don't want to, I don't want to say that that's ridiculous, because there are women that do want to have kids, and I don't want to belittle them for it, but the assumption that that's what all women want is insane.
0: Or that, or that, like, that is the only purpose, like, that is, that is the the only reason women exist is to pump babies out.
1: Right. And it's crazy. And, and so, yeah, I, I get very annoyed uh, when people ask me like, Oh, when are you having kids? I'm not. So maybe don't re- maybe don't phrase the question that way. Maybe don't ask people when they're going to have when women, when they're going to have kids, what if they can't, what if that is like something that haunts them that they can yeah. kids and that's desperately what they want, or they've pumped Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into IVF and they still haven't been able to do it. Like, don't ask women when they're going to have kids. It's hurtful.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, um, it took them a little bit um of asking and me giving them a little bit of attitude uh about telling them that we're not going to have a family um for them to kind of stop bothering. But yeah, that was a question. Like, oh, when you guys have kids, and I'm like, oh, well, that's not gonna happen. So don't hold your breath.
0: Well, I'm that is, I'm grateful that you were able or grateful for you that you were able to just be blunt and say, that's that's not happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, my husband was a little annoyed with me because I'm not very gracious in my response to that question. Um, and he I think would I mean I've I've come a long way since when we first met, but I grace is something that I still have to learn. Um, but yeah, I the expectation that having a young pastor with a young wife is going to brood children is is crazy. Like not that I never want to raise children, because that's something that, you know, I, I potentially want. Like, I would love to adopt or foster kids, but I don't want to give birth to a child. Like, that's not something that I want to do or really have any urge to do.
0: Right. Yeah. And
1: so I just tell people we're not having kids, because I'm not planning on having kids.
0: That makes sense. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, um, it's,
1: it's frustrating to... Yeah assumption of like oh we have a young pastor a young family and i'm like sure if you think that my dog is our family get used to
0: right yeah right and that's that's i want to like we should we should name and claim the fact that you you and nick are a family and you and <laughs> you and nick and i don't know your dog's name but mary
1: her name is you, mary
0: you you nick and mary are a family <laughs> right right like just because there aren't little mini yous running around doesn't doesn't mean you're not a family.
1: I, I mean I imagine that Joe got similar questions.
0: I am yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I believe I I have not gotten any of those kinds of questions filtered down to me. And I I don't think I I'm not getting any like recollection of any church people asking so when are you gonna she's
1: not married yet either so i imagine that she'd probably get more questions about when she plans to settle down I air with air quotes
0: yeah or something like that um I haven't gotten any questions from her congregants or she has not filtered down any questions from her congregants to me. <laughs> I might have, about, she probably
1: uh, wouldn't. That's not uh, something I would filter down either.
0: About, well, when is, so when is the ring happening? <laughs> it's like when I'm, when we're good and ready. <laughs> that's, that's-
1: My husband does plenty of that for you and I apologize.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was, a, uh, for us, we, so we were, we were together for- Um, we started dating, um, uh, I was in my first job out of seminary and she was in her, uh, third year of seminary. And we started dating like that September. Um, and she, like, we were like, we got to the point where we were like, okay, yeah, we can, we can get ready to move in together and like plan next steps. And then she, she got this appointment and that put right. all of that on on hold um and so that's that's when the long distance started for us um and i, I just for me like that that living together is a important step before before you
1: know? i agree um, um do so here's a question i have sure church um was there any like and you may not have gotten this and Joe may have, it just hasn't told you, but like, were you aware of anyone getting upset that you were spending the night in her (laughs) like
0: out of wedlock? Um, I think I, I heard one story, uh, that someone made some comment, some, some older gentleman made a comment of, uh, you know, well, if it was my daughter, uh, I I uh, I don't know that I would want <laughs> uh, some boy staying for um, you know a period of months in the same house. Um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's always it's a it's a fine it's a fine line to walk. Like, for example, uh, when we when we first uh, started dating um, and she she went, there was a, a, a mentor in her life who was retiring, uh, her choir director from when she was a youth and all of that was retiring. Uh, and there was a retirement dinner in uh, at the church in North Carolina. And she wanted to go and, uh, but like didn't want to like make the long drive by herself. Um, Cause it would have been like, it would have been like a really short, like 36 hour kind of trip, like go down, do the dinner, come back the next day kind of a thing. And so she asked, she she wanted me to come down with her. And as she was telling her mom this, uh, her mom asked the question, well, so where's Ian going to sleep?
1: <laughs> it was super awkward. Like, oh, i will sleep on the floor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll just bring a, I'll bring an air mattress. Uh, <laughs> yeah um yeah
1: I don't know why people ask that question like <laughs> you're just making me and you uncomfortable like you know the answer to the question why bother asking
0: right right yeah um so all that's to say is it hasn't uh, as far as I know uh been turned into like a major conflict point for her church when like in in reality like it very well could like
1: right uh, that's what I was curious
0: the way, and, and like the way our discipline is uh, set up is like, even like just that kind of appearance of impropriety, like of, of <laughs> two unmarried people sleeping in the same bed, um, like but could, have, could, have, could, have, could have gotten her like fired. <laughs>
1: the thing that bothers me like it's a whole house like they don't know i mean it's assumed but they don't know
0: right yeah and i think i think more of it was uh we don't want to ask this question because we don't want the answer to it right uh kind of a thing um so no one brought it up um and she's leaving at the end of uh the month so it's okay
1: (laughs) oh is she is that official
0: uh yes that's official yes
1: that's exciting i'm super happy for her
0: yes uh and and she is moving up here to virginia so it's a it's a good good day good day yeah yeah because like it's it's not like being a long distance relationship is um, it's we're, we're going to be visiting each other right we're not going to be doing this long distance relationship entirely over skype or over zoom um, yep. we, we we do we do video chat and all that but like we, we see each other about once a month and uh we're not staying in like <laughs> I don't stay in a hotel when I visit her and she doesn't stay in a hotel when she visits me like that would be stupid um yeah so, i was just yeah. curious
1: I've known other people that you know their churches made a deal and they had to like hide cars and like pretend that they're not there and all this other stupid crap so
0: I am sure that if it was more long-term and not corona-tied, uh, someone would have probably made it a bigger deal.
1: Yeah, uh, I imagine.
0: Sure. As the, well, as the, we're just gonna have this hidden away until we need to use it when Joe pisses us off and then we can go to the DS and be like, And did you know that right. <laughs> <laughs> that she is living with a boy? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't happen. So.
1: But yeah, that level of invasiveness is, uh, it's unnerving. Because, like, do you rent? Yes. So, like.
0: And so And so does she. she she's not in a parsonage. Oh, really? Yeah, she, she gets a housing allowance.
1: Oh, so that makes it a whole, that's a whole different ballgame then. Yeah. Because we live in a parsonage and, like.
0: And there's the. The the trustees think they just, they just own it i mean well technically they do Wait, but no
1: we i i try not to complain too much because uh we've been extremely blessed with um who was on trustees and and just the way that they respect uh the boundaries
0: yeah
1: uh, you know our our church is two charges and in most uh our house the parsonage is on the bigger church property and then it's like a five minute drive uh to get to the smaller church and they generally don't you know have anything to do with the parsonage at all um, and so like there's not that weird ownership they don't necessarily have that weird feeling of ownership like this is our building is our house that we are allowing you to live in that's never been something but there's definitely like a level to which everyone knows exactly where we live everyone knows that this is the pastor's house it's literally on you know I can throw a, a, a baseball and it will hit the church building Um
0: well I've, I've seen I've seen parsonages that aren't on church property, but like staked out, like uh, on the mailbox, there's like a big cross and flame logo and like the sign that says first street, UMC. Right. Uh, so yeah, yeah, sorry, keep going.
1: Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a weird dynamic uh, that you feel, uh, especially, you know, living in, in their, their house. There's like a weird sense of uh, being beholden to them.
0: Yeah.
1: That, that is very wearing, like it's, it wears, uh it wears you down, uh, especially, you know, the pastor that has to deal with it. Cause they're not only dealing with it, you know, with their employment, but like, it's like their whole life. Like that's, that's one of the things that I think is the most frustrating is uh you know, my job, I leave my house, I go to work and then I can come home and I can leave my work at home. His work is, all the time all the time we live you know in a a place that's provided by his job like you know he's on call 24 7 and it's just it's very it's exhausting I can see there there are weeks that like it really you know he's really worn down and he's just really exhausted and and there's there's not really a break because you you're constantly reminded of your job because you live in a house that's provided them so i don't know i i mean we've only been here for four it'll be four years when we leave and we had a pretty good for the most part we had a pretty good charge and so i i do not get how people can do this as their like full-blown like 40-year career it's just mind-boggling to me
0: right well hey four four years in a, in a like church situation like that is a, is a long it's uh, a long tenure um for <laughs> for a lot of us. Um, uh, so as we, as we get ready to kind of wrap this, wrap this up, you've, you're a vet, you're a pro at this now. Yes. Um, what, uh, like, uh, I'm going to ask you for some, some words of advice to share for like uh, three different people. Um, okay. uh, what words, uh, first, what words of advice do you have for someone who is about to marry a pastor.
1: Is he, like, I shouldn't say he, that, well, that was horrible. Um, is the pastor, like, currently a pastor?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, we can certainly do that.
1: I mean, they probably know most of it, um, but, you know, if you've been with that person long enough to, to get married to them, you probably kind of get it, but, um, one thing that I, I think is important is, um, and I found this out pretty early on, uh, is you definitely should, uh, find another person that is going, that is a spouse of a pastor, uh, just to talk to because it's hard and not a lot of people understand, uh, exactly what it is that you go through. Um, and so like, I'm on a couple of Facebook pages, um, you know, my husband's friend's are also married. So I talk to them and, and, you know, all of our friends from seminary, some of them are married. So I get to talk to them. So I think that's one thing I always recommend to to people that are getting married to a pastor is 100% find someone that you can talk to about stuff. Even if it's just like venting, because sometimes you just need to like vent, you know, like, you know, one of your church uh, members emailed your husband's or your spouse's DS about a stupid Facebook post that, you know, make you really upset and so you just have to vent to someone that understands how frustrating it is to watch your spouse get abused and not be able to do anything about it
0: right that's 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 great advice um what advice uh what advice do you have for the pastor who is about to marry someone
1: um i so it's it's so funny asking these questions because i feel like (laughs) i i I've known someone that is currently a pastor that just recently got married and we had this conversation with the two of them together. I think for the, the, the pastor that's about to get married, I think um, it's an adjustment. So you need to give uh, your partner a little bit of like grace and, you know, in that they aren't always going to be able to, to do like the political thing. Um, And so you just have to, to give them some grace and understand that, you know, it's not their job. And so you just have to let them handle the situations like they do. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it doesn't blow up in your face, uh, but sometimes it will. And you just have to understand that it's not their business. Like stick up for your spouse. Like if they try to bring your spouse up in an SBRC meeting, you need to shut it down because it's no one's business, what your spouse does, but yours. It's personal. It has nothing to do with the church. And so sticking up for your spouse um, is super important. And then also just, and this is just general marriage advice, but like communication is like super important, like being super transparent with how you're feeling because it's, like I said, it's easy for your, the pastor's spouse to become resentful of the church. And so you kind of have to constantly be open and transparent with how you're feeling uh, so that you don't have that festering resentment that you know could possibly turn into resentment for your spouse that's a pastor
0: awesome thank you thank you and the last one is what word of advice do you have for churches
1: leave the spouses alone they are not beholden to you you do not pay them to do anything they are a person that doesn't have anything to do with you unless they become a member so just leave them out of it don't bring up their facebook posts and sprc meetings don't bring up their attitude to their spouse. Don't just leave them alone. They, they are not your employer. They, they are married to someone. If I work like where I work, if my husband makes a Facebook comment that my employer doesn't like, they have no legal grounds to do anything. So why do churches feel like they have that grounds is beyond me? I don't know, but leave them alone.
0: I think, I think, yeah, yeah. It's a. I think that's a good, good, Uh, good final word good closing word well friends this has been another mini-sode a takeover mini-sode of what the hell is a pastor we are John Westley and Brian Pam and we will see you next time
1: That was good. I think so. Yeah, a good combo. combo. I like it. (laughs) Nick's now singing the theme song (laughs) behind me.